Can You Hear Us World? And we're not getting clips again. That's okay. That's I all right. I they'll be there. How are you, Larry? <laughs> I am going. Is Has it really been this long? And the answer to that question is, yes, it has. <laughs> if, uh, if you're listening and... Um, the holidays were, uh, yeah, raise your hand. Oh, look at all those hands raised. Okay. <laughs> I think, uh, I think everybody has had, um, yeah, it's just good to be back in the studio. It is. You can, you can kind of introduce what we're doing while I make sure. Okay. So we, Jared and I've been talking a lot and we're like, okay, we took a hiatus and a half and we've got to get back going on. And there's there's just a lot going on. And we'll as the weeks come, we'll we'll talk more about it. But you know, you guys walked with us at the beginning of this. Jared made a, a major kind of life change and job change. And um I I picked up the mantle where he left off and am sliding into a to a major life change. So be praying for the Kirby family as we're seeking a uh, senior pastor position. Uh, where we don't know, uh, but we're waiting. We're we're waiting to see where the Lord leads. Um, there's opportunities out there. There's doors that are starting to open. So we just ask that you pray for us. But we can we can fill you in a little bit more on that as the as the weeks go on. Um, we can't give you the full story yet because. The ending hasn't been written, but man, once it's written, I can't wait to share it with everybody because I think it's going to be a pretty spectacular story. It'll be, you know, I think Jared and I both may be able to just really talk through our transitions and what life was like Yeah, going through those because I think that's some important. I, I want to say one thing for you. Okay. I think most people that listen to this, a lot of, not most, a lot of the people that listen to this are somewhat close with you and so they sure. they know some of the backstory but there are those that aren't you're seeking a senior pastor position because God is calling you to it absolutely and that's yeah you're following you're following the leading of God to the Holy Spirit and in, in, in your life and in your work and what yep. you're supposed to be doing yeah and so I just wanted to Make sure it was said in that yeah, way. Yeah, no, right? thank you. Thank you for that. Because I tend to, um, Jennifer gets on me. She's like, you get caught in the weeds sometimes. And sometimes I just, I've been in it for so long. I'm just like, yeah, I'm just doing this transition. And people are like, well, you're not at the church anymore. Oh, no, no, I'm not. Right. <laughs> you know, and um, it's, uh, our church was super gracious. And they're loving on our family and supporting us. And I'm so thankful for that. And, um and been a real encouragement uh, to us, and uh, there again, very thankful for for all of that. And uh, I'm gonna tell you what, <clears throat> um, we we had an issue uh, years ago, and I was pretty close to to the issue, uh, and in the process of it, you had these moments where. You just kind of ask yourself, like, oh, I wonder what this church really thinks of me. Mm. You know, um, when when that issue came to fruition and passed, uh, I was coming up on my 40th birthday, and Jennifer threw uh, a 40th birthday party for me at a at one of our church members' homes. Have a, they have a beautiful, gorgeous pond and area for people? And man, probably half to three quarters, actually more like three quarters at that time of the attending church showed up 
Like we actually ran out of food because I don't think we expected that many people to come. Right. I had no clue about it. I mean, she really did do a good job surprising me. But I think what happened was during that party, two things took place. Number one, for me, it reinforced in me, no, 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 no. These, you know, these people that you're, you're serving with, that you love, that encourage you daily, they do, they do love you and they do support you. And, um, the second thing was, I think it became a healing moment mm. for our church coming out of what we had come out of. And then fast forward to this year, a personal upheaval in my life that, that I think God was using to speak to me. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, man, he, he just knows how to say what he needs to say uh, and how he's going to do it, um, which I'm thankful for. But then um, once again, he used his body to just reinforce and speak in mine and Jennifer's life and just say, you know, you are love yeah. and you are, you are called to what you're doing, you know, and that, I think that's the resounding thing is, is, is it's always difficult to leave a church you love. It's even harder to leave a church that loves you, Yeah. but somehow God uses that love to go. It's okay to let go yeah. and, and step forward. So I'm very thankful for yeah. all of that. I'm very thankful to be where we are now. Yes. Look forward to sharing the full story one day, and y'all just have to buckle your seatbelts and keep waiting for that moment That's to come. Right. That's right. But what we want to do tonight is um, we want to step into um, just dealing with... Uh, we know at the beginning, at the end of last year, we talked about a lot of things. We finished up Hosea, uh, and we really had a desire to step into Amos, um, to step into... Uh, was Amos and what was the other one? Joel. Joel, yeah. And we're going to get there yeah. because they're both really important yeah. Old Testament prophets that we want to deal with. But then we took a step out to do to do Advent. I think my heart would have liked to have done a little bit more Advent. I think God knew exactly what we were going to get done, and so it it worked out beautifully well the way it did. What's the, what, what's done was supposed to get done. That's right. right. Yeah, what didn't get done wasn't supposed to get done. Yeah, and we've have we've. I don't, workshopped is probably too loose of a term to use because that would imply some like more actual work intellectually on our part. So <laughs> workshop is probably not the right word. We have talked. We spitballed. Spitballed. I like yeah. that. Uh, several different things of where we want to go. Yeah. Yeah. And right now, as we start the new year off. Yeah. Like this is kind of season two. Yeah. Of it really kind of is. The sharpening. We're ad hocing it. Yes, we are. For a little bit. Yeah. And I like that because at the beginning of this, it was, hey, let's get together. And riff on this. And or, riff and yeah. have conversation. Yeah. Right? And tonight, that's kind of what we want to get back to. Yes. Yeah. Maybe the heart of not being so planned out. And, yeah. and I, I will tell you how this one came about. So you guys know that have listened enough, you know, read, pray, sing is a big part of as some way, shape or form is a big part of what Jared and I do with our family. So we, we try to spend time yeah. in the word. You, you much better than I, <laughs> uh, but dude, I, I, <laughs> we were out of it a little too long last year in, in certain mm-hmm. points and we've gotten Advent always helps us get back in it because of the Jesse tree. Yeah, it, sure. It, it is it, it is something our family looks forward to. But when your four-year-old starts running around the house going, it's time for repressing. <laughs> like, oh, it's, you know, <laughs> the family wants to be in the Word, mm-hmm. you know. And then what does the four-year-old do the whole time, right? Run in circles and but, scream but at the top there. of their lungs. But they're, they're there. But anyway, all that to say, um, <clears throat> I just, you know, I just having a moment, I was like, okay, 
we're done with Advent. I need to do something with the family. And uh, we ended up, we ended up diving into the book of Malachi. Yeah. It was good. Um, the first five verses, and we spent 30 minutes, kids just asking questions, trying to figure out how can God love one person and hate another? What's mm-hmm. this about? And so it led to some great conversation. Um, and then coming out of that, I'm like, I just got the Sermon on the Mount on my heart, and more specifically, just some stuff with the Beatitudes. So we just opened it up and started in. Well, my sister happens to be in town because in the process of me making transition, we're going to have to move. And so we're trying to pack the house up and and do stuff. And um, I started with the the actual Beatitudes part of the, the Sermon on the Mount. And in the middle of it, she made a comment, and I looked at her, and she made the comment about the time my brain was starting to click. Uh. But I don't think I ever would have made the complete leap until she said what she said. And then when she said it, I was like, oh, that's some good stuff right there. Yeah. And I want to talk about that. I want to talk about that with Jared. I want to I want to dive into it. Well, let's get there. Yeah. So, so w- what I want to do is um, I want to see if I can bait you in. And then, <laughs> and not pull the switcheroo, but sure. then like, you know, kind of bring out the back half of what I really want to talk about. Okay. But I want to take the front half a specific way first to do it. All right. But me, before we do, let's let pray. Me pray. Yeah. Father, thank you for your word. Thank you for friendships you've given me, mm-hmm. given Larry. Thank you for your son, the way he humbled himself. Uh Thank you for some convicting times that you've given me over the last couple of days Mm -hmm. via some really weird tools like the internet. (laughs) But uh, just thank you for the way that you've spoken to me and to Larry Mm -hmm. this week. I just pray that, uh, you know, all the things that we've learned through studying your word, through the Beatitudes, these conversations, that we would walk away maybe even more repentant than we thought we might have come into tonight. Mm. More on fire for you, for the work of your son Jesus on the cross and his resurrection and the amazing forgiveness we have of our sins because of it. Mm. We love you, and it's in your son Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. All right, so caveat number 12 uh, tonight (laughs) is this. Um... If Preacher Larry comes out tonight, I make no apology for that. That is where God is shifting my heart, more so in the days. Um, one of the, when something Jared mentioned in his prayer, uh, a video he and I watched this week, uh, kind of has me convicted over, um, you know, just, just not letting, not letting the word just. We don't want to come at you with just talking about the word. We want the word to talk. Yeah. We, yeah. yeah. Oh my gosh. What was his name? Do you remember? It was a three 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 name name. It's like Robert something Roberts or yeah. you know, something Some, I don't know. Robert the, Owens. It was a G three message. Well, I'm gonna put his so we'll, we'll put his back. stuff in the show I'm notes. I'm gonna put his stuff in the show notes. You gotta watch that video, folks. It's yeah, just phenomenal. Because what he said was what he asked, he's talking to a group of pe- preachers, and he says, are you preaching about the Word? Mm. Or are you, are you preaching the Word? The Word, yeah. And <laughs> you're sitting there like, okay, I think I understand the difference. And then he goes on to just hammer it into this group of preachers in, a, in such a way that I'm like, 
the way he walked up there is he was like a preacher of preachers in that moment. You yeah. Know? I just, I saw like super sp- humble guy. Yeah. But when he was talking, it, it, it was like, I didn't hear him. I was hearing all these men before him. Oh yeah. The way, just the way he, his diction, his everything. Anyways, yeah. we're getting off topic, but. Well, not necessarily, but it's, and yeah, there's some stuff that he talked about that I know, I don't know where you're going, but I'm. You may, you may lead us away. Well, the, the, what he talked about has such a part in this. Yeah. So anyways. All right. So the first, the first thing I want to do, let's go through these, these kind of, um, 10 verses together. Yeah. Let's just, let's and, read them. And the, yeah. And then I want to, I want to kind of go through it the way we would expect to. And then I want to come back again and, and change our thought process. Okay. On it. So, so here we go. So I'm, I'm in the new King James. You've got the NASB NASB. So here's what I'm going to do. Uh, I'm going to say, I'm going to take five and you take five. Okay. So I'm going to start in three. Okay. Yep. All right. So uh, here's the new, new year thing too. I got to put my reading glasses on. <laughs> Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be filled. And blessed are the merciful, for they shall obtain mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called sons of God. Blessed are those who have been persecuted for the sake of righteousness, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when people insult you and persecute you and falsely say all kinds of evil against you because of me. Rejoice and be glad, for your reward in heaven is great. For in the same way they persecuted the prophets who were before you. Mm, That's good. So I think the way that we traditionally approach this is we think of people. And I think, and I don't necessarily think that's a bad thing, but I know for me when I've taught it in the past, so I'm going to speak for anybody else, but I'll speak for me. It's really easy to look at this and say, okay, so blessed are the poor in spirit. All right, so who are the poor in spirit? Yeah. Right? And, you know, we could talk about people who are destitute, uh, that maybe you, you've got all kinds of people who are poor in spirit. You've got people who suffer with um, depression. Maybe they suffer, maybe the way that that depression comes out is drug abuse or, um, you know, or maybe it's a financial strain or um, maybe it's a, uh, maybe it's a, 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 a worldly understanding of sexuality that has them in a depressive state or something. I mean, so we can all go to a place and and think about people who are poor in spirit. And we might even have times in our lives where we can think about when we were poor in spirit. Yeah. Right. Yeah. I, I'm not sure where you're going, but let me, uh, I'll (laughs) let me put my cards on the table for a second here in the, so this is like the, second time in the last calendar year that I've kind of gone through this. Right. Once a little bit because I was reading a book that was kind of going in and out of it. Right. And then, um, recent, you know, the last couple of days I've been going back through it. Yep. I, and maybe this is, I don't know where it's coming from, but I, in the last two times I've been in this text have not gotten there at all. Good. So I, 
I like, and I wish I had my notes up here. Yeah. You know, I, I, th- I think you're going to, I think you're going to all of a sudden like get lit here. In, yeah. <laughs> I didn't mean that the, the, the today's where I think, I think I'm going to ignite a fire in you when I, when I turn the table on this. Yeah. So I, I haven't, I understand where people can go and I can yeah. think about preachers going down that path. Right. But I'm not, my brain isn't there. No, okay. no, you're, you're, you're on the, you're on the right track. See, welcome to our journey. It's going to be fun. This is how Larry and Jared poke at each other. All right. So blessed are those who mourn. Okay. Yeah. Hey, I had times of mourning this year, lost my mamaw. Yep. Y'all, they journeyed, you know, we yep. journeyed that together. Uh, you can mourn the, the ending of a job. You can mourn. Yeah. I had a church member text me this morning, just checking, saying, Hey man, how you doing? And, and you know, I think the way I worded it was, Probably the most difficult part is watching 17 years become a memory. Yeah. Yeah. When you're in the midst of it, you know, you're, you're right there, but, yeah. and it's just, it's part of life. Sure. But when it's now, okay, this is all a memory. Yeah. Because now all of a sudden you're having to say, how was Sunday for y'all? Exactly. Not like... And when I talk to people about, you know, when they ask me questions about our church and I'm like, like, we, we, I used to, or they used to do now I know some changes, you know, and, and all. And so that's, it's, it's tough. Yeah. That first service, I have to admit for the first time in my married life, Jennifer and I, now we have attended church together on vacations and stuff, but for the first time in my married life, even though we're still members of our church. You know, we just felt like we needed to give some separation so mm-hmm. they can get used to me not being there. And we went to a church, a very friendly church, people that we that I know and love and that she's met through the years. And, and so a, a bunch of brothers that happened to work together at the same church. And, and so we went to visit them and spend time with them. And it was a, it was a blessing. It really was good. But, um, <clears throat> you know, you're still sitting there and you're going, this is the first time in in in. 20, almost 20 years of marriage, the first time in my kids' lives that they've ever really had a chance to be like, we just got up and went to church with dad. Yeah, And even like, next Sunday, dad's yeah. not going to be... Not you being there at 6.30 or 7 because you yeah. got to set up the sound and do all the... You know, yeah. yeah. And the first time I think they've experienced me sitting there not trying to grade or say, ooh, I need to do that. Or, ooh, can I borrow? I, yeah. Literally just watching Getting me the text saying, unplug. hey, don't forget this during announcements. Don't do... Like, yeah, whatever. exactly. Yeah, because there were times that I would sit in services on vacation still handling our yeah. services. Yeah. So anyway, but... So there's some mourning there, right? There's mourning there. But that's not the kind of morning we're talking about. That's not the morning we're talking about. Um, Then the meek, right? There are just Mm -hmm. some people who are some of the sweetest, kindest people in the world, you know, and we could think through. But meekness is a really interesting thing because it's not weakness. Yeah. So the NASB says gentle. Yeah. Right. So meek is one of the best definitions I've ever heard of meek because they use this to describe Jesus a lot is power under control. Yeah. Like knowing how and when to exert your authority and when when to hold back, right? So, okay, verse five. Yes. Gentle or meek. Mm-hmm. Right now, I would contend that out of the three that we've talked about so far, that that is the one that is the most straightforward read. Yes. I would of agree. Of the three. Of the three. I would agree. Okay. All right. So blessed are those. Now we're getting a little more straightforward too. Blessed mm-hmm. are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness. And I think that's a straightforward read, I right? I do. Yeah. So, yep. Blessed are the merciful, for they shall obtain mercy. Same. Yep. Blessed are the pure in heart, 
right? Yeah. The peacemakers. Yeah. We're starting to get into these that really deal with only things that are going to come out of you if you know Christ as Savior. Yeah. So let me let me stop you there for okay. a second. Okay. So we have poor in spirit, mm-hmm. mourn, yep. gentle, righteous, mm-hmm. merciful, mm-hmm. pure in heart. Yep. Peacemakers. Correct. Break. Break. Yep. And then and then a switch flips. Yeah. So I'll let you go. Okay. So I just want to, I want to put, I'm, I'm splitting this right here. I think that's a fair thing to do. Okay. Yeah. All right. Now in verses 10, 11, 12, he flips over. He starts the conversation about persecution. Mm. Blessed are these who are persecuted mm-hmm. for righteousness sake. Yep. Okay. So he's just talked about righteousness a while back yep. and now he's coming back for the sake of righteousness. Yep. Then he says, um, and then he begins to describe yeah. what persecution is. Yep. Now, okay, what I would like to say is, and maybe confess, is that it's easy to preach this and and to talk about this specifically from a way of, you know, these are what each of these words mean. We can all think of people, and we can think of times in our life where we've seen this, or we can yeah. strive for certain Ways of this. Here's three ways to get at one, two, you know. Exactly. But I'd like to make a different contention. All right. And my contention is this. My contention is that what Jesus has done has laid out what it looks like to step out of not knowing him and step into a progression of what it looks like to become a believer in Jesus Christ. 100%. Which is why I put the break there. Yes. So there are, in in my mind, and probably, I I didn't consult commentaries for this. So in my mind, seven beatitudes. Correct. Seven characteristics. Yes. Of of being in relationship with Jesus. Mm -hmm. And then verses 10, 11, and 12 are the natural outpouring of what that life looks like. What that life looks like. Exactly. Yeah. So, so let's go on this journey together. Okay. Blessed are the poor in spirit for there's the kingdom of heaven. What, what can cause me to be poor in spirit? Two things. There's a, there's a worldly side and there's a, and Andrew gets so mad at me. He's like, dad, I don't understand why you use the word secular. And I'm like, because it's just the way that we, we talk about secular stuff and we talk about church yep. stuff. Yep. And it's it's just a division. There is a secular, there is a non there's a worldly, let's say it this way, there is a worldly understanding of poor in spirit. Mm. And it's very easy to focus in on that. It's very easy to say, well, you know, people that deal with addictions or people that deal with money problems or people that deal, you know, with with, you know, all these things, they're poor in spirit. No, poor in spirit is when you wake up and you realize I can do nothing. I need help. I am, I am destitute. And I'm not talking about, I'm not talking about destitute monetarily. I'm not talking about destitute in decisions. I'm talking about destitute because of the sin that is in my life. Yeah. And that's where, that's why. Told you preacher Larry's coming out. You're like, that's why like beatitudes, like, yeah, let's talk about the beatitudes. Then the next morning. I'm getting ready for work and I happen to scroll, you know, like, so I've done my devotion that right. day having a cup of coffee. I'm in, I was in like a 10 minute period between meetings. Like, 
see what's on Instagram. Uh, I was I was literally opening it because I wanted to see if there was some news about an NFL thing going on. Scroll, and all of a sudden, you get the random thing, right? Right. And somebody had clipped a, a 30-second piece out of that guy's sermon. Right. Like, I'm going to go find it. That, that's an interesting clip. I want to, you know. I want to know more. I want the context of what he's saying. So I listened to that sermon, and, okay, so he talks exactly about this. Yeah. What is the lowly in spirit? It is the point in which you realize that the chasm between you and God and how holy he is yeah. can never be overcome. No. And I, he even goes on to say, like, you know, but most people view their sin as if a half inch cross might fix it or, yes. a, or a three foot cross might fix it. And he said, no, 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 no. You can't imagine a cross big enough. Right. You cannot imagine it until you're there. Yep. Are you low in spirit or poor in spirit? You know, Phil Wickham got this right. How great the chasm that lays between us, how high the mountain I cannot climb. Yeah. Right. Yeah. I mean, this if you have never, ever, ever, if if you are a person who throughout your religious walk, or maybe you are a person who, you know, I've been in church all my life and blah, 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 blah. I want to ask you a question. And this question goes to me, too, because I have to ask my question this a lot. Have I ever had that moment where I stopped and said and just realized the depth of my sin? Just how disgusting and abhorrent and and just putrid it is and and the literal distance that yeah. it has put between the Lord and I. Yeah. It, and, this and, week for me, so I listened to that sermon and I'm sitting there afterwards. I sent it to you. I'm just kind of sitting there in it and then I'm like getting, getting back to work and then I'm, I'm, I'm chewing back on it. I was chewing on it all day. And it was a major ego check for me because I felt like I can shove all kinds of knowledge inside my head and mm -hmm. talk theology and doctrine. And I might get tripped up because there's some stuff that I, I don't remember the words for it or I haven't looked into it, you know, but I can, I can hold my own. Mm -hmm. And, but that doesn't mean anything. No. Like it means nothing if I'm not coming to the table recognizing and acknowledging that I'm scum of the earth, you know? And, and it doesn't matter if I've never sacrificed children on the altar to Baal. Right. You know, that's bloody and nasty. Or raised an Asherah pole. Yeah, or... But I've raised my own Asherah poles, and I've sacrificed my own things on false altars to false gods. Yes, yeah. I may not have spilt blood doing it, but you right. better believe I have given my time. I have given my mind. Yeah. But, I've even given my body at times over yeah. to it. Yeah. How many times have we, have I tried to say, he's, God's out there somewhere. Yeah. But I mean, it's just, I'm just, you know, it's for me. <laughs> it's for me. I tell you, here, here are two things 
two things that scare me. The first thing are the words of Steve Scheibner that ring in my ear when he wrote his manifesto and just basically was like, he said, I, I have to know. He said, I have to hear God say, well done, my good and faithful servant. He said, I, I need to live a life. Yeah, I need to live for the Father in a way that's going to bring honor and glory to him. And not that he necessarily feels that he's worthy of hearing that, but just that he did what God wanted him to do so that God can say that to him. And I'm like, yeah. I get that. Number two, where God is moving my heart and calling me, I am scared to death of ever. And I dare, I'm scared to death of saying it out loud because Satan will take it and run with it. But I'm scared to death of ever stepping in the pulpit and somebody hearing Larry over the word. Yeah. That mortifies me. And I pray, and you can pray, and, and listeners, you can pray, that the Lord keeps me in a place where Larry never overrides the gospel. Because if Larry ever overrides the gospel, it's done. Yeah. It's done. So it leads us directly to the mourners, though. Mm-hmm. So if we're going to be— Why would you mourn? If we're going to be poor in spirit mm-hmm. and— Wake up in the morning, sit down. I'm if my every day was my what I try to be my normal routine. Mm-hmm. If I wake up in the morning, make Lillian some breakfast, and then say, Hey, I'm going to the office. I'm going to sit down for a few, even just 10 minutes. I'm just going to sit down and read. When I when I'm doing things right, I'm 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 opening it up to wherever I, I am. I'm saying I'm praying and I'm confessing and I am laying out my failures and asking for forgiveness. And I I hope that I'm I'm not the person that keeps confessing the same things. Right. Right. But I I have more recently in my life, and this is very recent. I think been more disgusted with the sin, mm-hmm. but that leads me to great sadness about the condition yeah. of my life without Jesus. Absolutely, and that's so. Why I, I to me that's why the two go hand in hand. They absolutely do because I think that when you wake up to the fact that you are important spirit. And you realize, okay, Christ is the only bridge. He is the only one that can move me across a chasm I will never, ever traverse. Yeah. There's, there's, not a, there's not an implement built to help me get across it. And look what he did in order to close it, right? Oh, my word, right? Yeah. That's where the morning comes in. Yeah. Because when I think about the cost— Yeah. That not just he was willing to pay, but the cost that God was willing to pay through him. Yeah. The, to yeah, yeah. to let me get to verses five and following. Uh, I yeah yeah I should go into a state of mourning. Yeah, it's a twofold mourn, right? It's like I am mournful over what my life. If you're saved, what what your life was? Correct. And that state. If it goes away, mm-hmm. you've got to get in prayer. Yeah, back in something. Yeah, 
because and and that's why you know we've probably said this a couple times we've said it a lot probably on our podcast like the gospel isn't just for those that haven't received it yet it's for everybody it's for me right now right yeah. and and this is why because if you're not remembering and mournful over what your life was mm-hmm. then you're then you're gonna get complacent or lackadaisical or numb to what Jesus did. They always say that history repeats itself. Why does history repeat itself? Because of exactly what we're going through in our nation today. Anytime you try to put a spin on history, anytime you try to erase history, look, you may not like the statue of a person because of what they represent. And I get that. And if it causes you great angst because of something they did toward you or toward a people group, I get it. And I get the anger and I get the frustration. But we need to remember all of history, the good and the bad, because only in remembering the complete, don't make a roses are red, violets are blue history. Make a real history that, yeah. that tells us exactly what happened because if we do not remember why they did what they did or why they acted the way they acted, we are doomed to repeat it. Yeah. And don't think that just because we had a civil war over a hundred and what, 50 years ago, that we can't be doomed to go back into that again. Right. And in your own faith walk, if you aren't remembering from where it was you came, there it is by the grace of God. Then, at some point, it no longer becomes important. That's right. right. And and then, and then that's when you start to see. And I know this isn't where the text is going, but it's just where that you start to see the progressive Christianity of. Well, let me spin. Mm-hmm. Let me, well, you know, God wasn't really like that. Or, or the new one that I've heard is you mean to tell me God isn't big enough that he doesn't change with the, with the, you know, it's like, but we're not, we're not taking ourselves back to, or you can become a little God. Yeah. That's a new one coming yeah. out too. God is holy. Yes. And you and I are not. We're not. And that word holy is a church word, right? It's been kind of robbed of what of its significance. What word in the Bible is the only word that is ever spoken in the thrice so repeated? It's holy. Yeah. Holy, holy, holy. You see it in Isaiah, you see it in the Revelation. Holy is the only word that is given that triune, that threefold yeah. re- repetition. He is completely, utterly, separately distinct, mm. set apart, yep. significant. Like I'm yeah. trying to, all the other words, right, to describe that, those four little, letter, little letters of holy. It, we are... Because of sin, we can't even be in the same room, right? Right. Like, I go back to you and I were having that conversation, and this is this is stealing a, a quote from Tim Mackey of the Bible Project, mm-hmm. but he was explaining the idea of holiness 
and our separation from it to somebody. And he was talking about the idea that holiness is both, it's good, but it's also dangerous. Sure. I mean, so, you know, you look at what Moses, when he's on the mountain, he got, he has to hide behind a rock and you can't look at it. Right. You get the tabernacle. Only one person can go into the middle once a year. Yep. And they got to tie ropes around them. And had bells on their thing so that if the bells stopped ringing, we jerked our dead body out. Dead body body. out. Right. Uh, You know, and you could keep going. And so we, no matter how little or much we think the sin, the acts of sin are a part of our life, we would be burnt to nothing if we were in the presence mm. of that goodness and holiness. Mm-hmm. And so I go back to Nadab and Abihu, crispy critters, man, <laughs> offering up profane it's worship. Not, it's not funny, but it's just, but I, every time I think about that story, I'm like, you literally watched God walk you out. Yeah. <laughs> and then you're going to do it your way. And then you're going to say, well, we're just going to put some sprinkles on top, you know? That's <laughs> still a little hot sauce on this uh, one. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, I'm oh, sorry. Okay. So we, uh, we, we are mourning our uh, inadequacies yeah. here. All right. So these first two verses then put us in perspective. They put us in perspective of, you know, we're without Christ. And then they put us not only in perspective of life without Christ, that we need Jesus, but then they, they cause us to, to literally lament yes. over what we have done and what it cost him. Yeah, that's a good word, actually, lament. But then the switch comes, okay? So mm-hmm. I give my life to Christ. What happens to me when I give my life to Christ, okay? Meekness. Mm-hmm. I learn to subdue the Larry that feels like because I'm an American citizen, I have rights or the Larry that says, hey, um, I enjoy X, Y, Z and you shouldn't tell me any differently because it's good for me. Right. You become gentle. And I liked your 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 definition of uh, power under control. Yeah, because. If you have recognized and brought yourself down into poor of spirit, mm-hmm. and and one, well, I, I want to go back real quick. To me, poor in spirit is a place of uh, personal responsibility to get there. Yes, we're, we're separated before Jesus. We're separated. That's correct. Not poor in spirit. No, I'm. I'm. Uh, I'm, I'm very happy in my sin. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. I, I'm. I'm living in hog heaven, kind of, so to speak. Right. Yeah. Because I because I'm living for self, but personal responsibility kicks in, and the Holy Spirit starts doing His thing, and yep. and now I've recognized. Oh man, and and so then then so it's a becoming poor in spirit. That's correct. That happens, and now my ego is brought into check yeah. because I because I know I'm not here. The camera. Oh yeah, the camera can't see it. Yeah, I'm not up here, right? I'm, yeah, I'm poor in spirit. I'm down here. I'm down here. I'm like everybody else. 
and then a cool thing begins to happen because you begin to live out. We talk about the idea of religious liberty. Mm. You begin to find out what it means to actually have liberty in Christ. Christ willingly, liberty, did what he wanted to do. What did he want to do? He wanted to obey the Father. Obeying mm. the Father meant he had to give up. Mm. What did he have to give up? He had to give up his seat in heaven. He had to pour himself into our flesh. Yeah. He had to feel pain. He had to feel agony. He had to feel love. He had to feel the emotional connections, all the things that we feel here on earth. He had to push Satan away and, and literally go to war with him. Mm. But, and I think that the way he handled Satan in the desert is a great definition here of this idea of meekness. Because Jesus didn't rely on himself. He relied mm. on the word of God. Mm-hmm. Now, he is the Word of God. (laughs) So, yeah, he kind of technically did rely on himself, right? But it's the example to us. Yeah, it's the submissive nature. It is the submissive nature. Yeah. And and this this idea of liberty is not what I have a right to get away with. It's the idea of what I am willing to give up Mm. for the sake of the gospel. Mm -hmm. And that's where meekness kicks in, right? And then when meekness kicks in, notice what happens. Now I'm a a person, I'm beginning to hunger. I'm beginning to thirst. I am beginning to wake up every day and say, I have tasted righteousness. And God, it's not that I just want to have it because it's kind of cool. Just as much as my body needs breakfast to get going for the day and my body needs that first drink of liquid, whether mm-hmm. it's water or if you're just one of those crazy people, sweet tea or whatever it is, right. coffee or whatever, right? There are there are things that our body needs to function and to go on. And I would make the argument here that when Jesus says, blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, righteousness sake, he is, he is saying, blessed are those who are are at a place where they understand that this is a need. This is a you will not survive without seeking the righteousness of God. And where do we find the righteousness of God? Second Corinthians 5.21. He made him who knew no sin yeah. to become sin for us that we might what? Become the righteousness of God in him. Yeah. So... This kicks in. Well, okay, so now I am a person that has realized I can't do it, so yeah. I need Jesus. Yeah. I now look at what Jesus did and it's and it's weighing on me. I am learning to I'm learning to to do, you know, I've got one mouth and two ears, so I'm learning to shut my <laughs> mouth and listen more, right? Uh, and there's more to meanness than just that, but yeah. I am, I am desiring that daily walk with the Lord. I'm desiring, I'm hungering, I'm thirsting for righteousness and everything that I'm, I'm looking for in, in him. And by the way, what does it say that you're going to inherit for they shall be filled. If you seek for it, you're going to be filled, right? You go back to Jeremiah, right? If you seek for me, if you search for me and if you seek for me and search for me, you will find me with, with all of you, right? If you seek for me. With all of your heart, you will find me. Anyway, I'm butchering that. But, you know, I mean, y'all know where I'm yeah. going with that. But so you have you have that. And then notice what begins to happen. 
Yeah, it changes your heart, right? Yes, the heart changes because now, blessed are the merciful. See, it's my contention here that what Jesus is doing is starting us at a point A, and he is walking us. He is walking us straight down through. You know, all these gurus out here writing about discipleship Mm. and coming up with all these programs and all these plans. Yeah. Here you go. So... Uh, <laughs> I told you I was going to bait you a little bit here, there. <laughs> He's practicing meekness, ladies and gentlemen. I can see it in his face. Jesus, Jesus commands us to die to self. Yes. Right. This is, people want, I want easy checkboxes. Right. Here's your checkbox. Here's how to know, have you humbled yourself? Mm -hmm. Are you dying to self? Mm -hmm. Start at the top. Dying to self would be one and the same as recognizing and becoming poor in spirit. Mm -hmm. And then from there... Taking up my cross daily and following him. Are you contrite and burdened over your sin. Mm -hmm. Okay. And then have you become less egotistic, a little bit more, even just friendly, right? Gentler, kinder, more willing to come underneath somebody else. Right. And, Mm -hmm. And I'm talking to myself right now because I walk into a place and I don't want to put myself under anybody. Right. You know, and that's, and I recognize that in myself. And I have to, just today, I was talking with Katie and I was, there was, we had a, we got a note about a change of how things were going to happen. And I said, I was like, I wonder who, who messed it up for us, you know, which mm-hmm. is a valid question. Sure. Who, who messed it up for us? Cause it didn't seem. There never didn't seem to be an issue in what we got the text on. I know the answer to that question though. <laughs> like who messed up for us? And then I told her, Well, I'm you know, if if our daughter asks if she can go, I'm just gonna let her. Like and you know, my my wife goes, Well, we're not above the others, so no we're no we're not. We're gonna yeah, we're right. gonna and I am sitting in the kitchen unloading the dishwasher with her, and I'm like, Oh like why but my it, my brain was like, oh, it's no big deal. I'm just gonna if she wants to go, I'm gonna let her. I'm not gonna follow the rules because I don't need to submit to it. I fight this fight with Andrew all the time, and I must say he probably comes by it honestly from me and Jennifer because we both have a heavy dose of this. He is so black and white in the way he sees things that if he perceives this as a black and white issue. Yeah, then, then he's right. Yeah. yeah. And so who are you to tell me? Yeah. And I had to remind him the other day. I said, there is someone specifically that you get frustrated with because they play a specific card. And when they play that card, it frustrates you. And I said, you're doing the exact same thing when you take that attitude. Yeah. And he was just like, oh. I was like, the thing that you don't want to become, you're becoming. Yeah. And, and, and that's, so this is confession time, right? Like that's, yeah, 
that's me that my and I think it's probably everybody to some extent but I can I can watch myself do it I can even in church I can walk into church and with an attitude of I have an issue right now with someone and so I don't I'm not going to be involved with anything they're involved with I don't want to listen to them even if that person was excuse me in a position of authority mm-hmm. within the church structure. Sure. My brain, my soul has a hard time with that. But I've got, Jesus is telling me, I mean, I'm reading someone else's, I'm reading his words that he's speaking to somebody else, but obviously it was meant for us too. Mm-hmm. Like, get over yourself. Yeah. And and here's the thing. So you sent me that uh that sermon from Swindoll on yeah. Nehemiah chapter two, right? Yeah. So it, in in that sermon, like God's got the heart of that person in His hands. Yep. Doesn't matter who it is. Doesn't matter if it's not my boss, but you know, it's somebody that's in a leadership position at my church, at my daughter's school, mm-hmm. wherever the case is. Right. Number one, God's got that person's heart in His hands. Yep. Number two, I need to get over myself because God has them there. That's right. So what do we? What do I need to do? So I need to pray, right? That's, yeah. that's number one. I that's need to. Number I need one. to pray for that person. Yep. Regardless of my personal opinion about them. Yeah. And I especially need to pray for them if they are confessing lovers of Jesus, mm-hmm. because now they're a brother or sister, whether I like it or not. Yeah. You know. And yeah. And you should be thankful for that. Yes. Even in their differences, you should be thankful yes. for that. And it's a tough place. It's, it's t- Once again, this is practicing what I would argue is true religious liberty, and that is saying, hey, they're, they're the authority that God has placed here. I may not like what they had to say, but I need to follow. They're not causing me to go against the word. Yep. I just I need to follow, and I do. I need to pray for them. And I need to pray for me that I will listen and follow, right? So you're, we're hungering and thirsting for righteousness. We are becoming merciful. The heart is changing. And then what happens? Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. This is the first. So li- listen to these. First, we're going to inherit the kingdom of heaven if we're poor in spirit. So that means we're going to be saved. We're going to come into the kingdom. If we mourn, we're going to be comforted. So... Jesus is going to say to us as we mourn over our sin, as we mourn over what happened to him, hey, but I love you that much. Yeah, yeah I, I did. It's okay. I love you and I, I, I've got you. I, yeah, sense, I've, right? I've got It's okay. I understand you're mourning. I'm not stopping you from mourning, but I'm going to comfort the, the mourn now and I'm going to walk you out of that, right? Um, the meek are going to inherit the earth. Okay, well, that's pretty cool, you know, because, but what earth, what earth am I going to inherit, right? And I don't think he's talking about the earth that we understand now. I think this is a coming mm. heavens and earth conversation, right? The, once again, we talked about the people that hunger and thirst for righteousness. They're going to be filled. Yeah. The merciful will get mercy. Yep. And the pure in heart for they shall see God. Okay. Paul in Philippians chapter four, whatsoever things are pure, whatsoever things are right, whatsoever things are just, whatsoever things are wholesome, whatsoever things are pure, right? 
meditate on these things. He who has clean hands and a pure heart and lifts not his soul up to another. Mm. Right. We can go scripture after scripture where we understand the purity of heart. Moses, God, I just let me see your glory. I just hear Matt Powell singing in the back of my head. Show me your glory. Right. Mm. Um, You know, you you have allowed me to be in your presence. Show me your glory. Okay, Moses, I'm going to show you my glory, but I'm going to show you. And this is what you were talking about, right? Yeah. I'm going to hide you in the cleft of the rock. I'm going to show you just the tail end of it. And, and what happened? Yeah, he glowed. <laughs> or grew horns, depending on... Now we, oh, yeah. That's right. Sorry, sidetrack. yeah, his face, his whole so countenance bright, changed. They had to put a veil over him. Yep. Because he freaked the people out. He did. He did, right? But what does that mean? That means when I live pure in heart, Mm. God begins to show me more of who he is. And I'm going to make the argument I'm going to live in light of what he has revealed. And it's going to make me like Moses. Yeah. Now, Hear what I'm saying. I'm not saying we're going to shine like Moses did, but we're going to be noticeably different. Yes, 100%. And uh, I think I think it's perfectly okay to say like that what happened to Moses yeah. was a sign for us today in a metaphorical sense, right? Exactly. That it really happened to Moses. Yeah. But we can look at it today and say, if this stuff happens in my life, you're going to be a little bit brighter in some, you know, and you're going to be, you're going to look different. You're going to, I'm careful. And here's why I'm careful. There, there, there are so many songs and so much theology out there today that basically takes things that took place in the Bible and then they conflate them to today. My praise did not bring down the walls of Jericho. The obedience of a people to what God asked, and then God, through that obedience, is what brought down the walls of Jericho. Correct. And me becoming more Christ-like isn't going to make me glow green. And it's not going to give me resurrection power. No, and it's it's not And I'm not going to become a little God. And you can't even tell somebody... Hey, if you just become a little more humble and a little more peaceable and a little more gentle and you are sad over your sin a little bit more, like you're just going to be the fixer and the, and, and, and everyone's going to see it right away. Like it's it's a process. It's a process. Number one, but sin's going to rise back up and you're going to have to go through this process again and again and again. And, and again, it goes back to being poor in spirit, right? Because if, if, if you went into this as it's just the checklist, mm-hmm. then you're still not being, you're still not coming back to the place of recognizing the holiness mm-hmm. of God yeah, and the depravity yeah. of your sinful self. Agreed. Right? You, it, it is there from that state that any of this is possible. And mm-hmm. it's not some work list that you can check through. Mm-hmm. Now, this next one, 
and this is the ending one of the one that you say kind of draws the mark. And I would agree with yeah. you because the verses 10, 11, and 12 kind of make a, a shift. But this one, verse 9, is one that I find very interesting because look how far it takes to get here. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called sons of God. This is the first time we are, we've inherited the kingdom of heaven. We've inherited the earth. We've been comforted. We've been filled. We've been given mercy. We're becoming pure in heart and only finally being called children of God. Do we understand that? We should be living, what does scripture tell us, right? And as much as we possibly can, we are to live peaceably with all men. If I'm going to obey all 10 commandments, mm-hmm. how does Jesus sum it up? Love God, love others. If I'm going to do that, I have to be a peacemaker. Yeah. I can do nothing else. And that means when I get it wrong, I need to, now listen. I don't need to apologize. Thank you, Steve Schabner, right? Mm-hmm. I don't need to apologize. What do I need to do? I need to ask for forgiveness. Mm. We we need to be seeking forgiveness. Let me tell you something. Churches are not practicing church discipline enough anymore. And I want I don't want to stop right there. I want to speak, I want to lean into this for a minute. Church discipline. If you are old school, if you are 1950s, if you are you know, just especially from the South, you know, they used, they, they had this term. You ever heard of churching somebody? So-and-so got churched, right? Yeah, how stupid were we to make a st- statement like that? Church discipline has never carried the desire of justice and justice alone. It's always been justice coupled with restoration. Yeah. The purpose of walking through a process of of justice, that's process of of, you know, the Miranda rights being read, the the confession coming, the repentant heart taking place, the judgment upon what you've done, the consequences of what you've done. But on the other side of it, what's the point of all of it? The point is to restore that person. We bring their, we make them confront their sin, not for the purposes of holding something over them. We confront them with their sin for the purposes of seeing that heart changed. Nathan didn't go into David for the purposes of bringing down a king. He went into a brother in the Lord and said, you are the man. And David hit his knees. Right. There were still consequences to the sin. But Nathan was a peacemaker. And that's who we're called to be in the purpose of church discipline and the purpose of brothers and sisters in Christ gathering, whether it's in a business meeting or whether it's in a Sunday school class or whether it's in a preaching service or whether it's in discussing these changes or that changes or whatever else. We have got to be peacemakers and not pot stirrers. That's a good point. That is a good point. (laughs) You better. You're going to have to remember that one. That's a good one. And that's a good reminder to me because my, uh, my, my fleshly desire often is to be a pot stirrer. I'm good at stirring the pot. Cause it, it's, I have a big old paddle. It's kind of fun, right? Like, and I don't, I say, I say oh, that, so is. I say that jokingly, but it's, it's, it's not healthy, right? right? I mean, sometimes 
in a group of close-knit friends. You know, for example, our families are playing games the right. other night. <laughs> and Larry's a whiny baby. Yes, I know. No, no, no. That's not even where I'm going. <laughs> but that's funny. But I am going to get some jabs in. Right. Right. I'm going to... Did we, it just... we just lost your camera. I promise Jared's still here. Keep going. Interesting. I'll get up here in a second. Look at it. You keep talking. Um, I'm going to get some jabs in, right? Because it's it's a little bit fun. I'm going to stir the pot that way. But that's close-knit friends. My charger might not be, like, working. I think it's done. It's... It's okay. Keep talking. Interesting. Yeah. But, you know, in a sense of a church... It's not good to be that person that just pokes and prods and for, for poking and prodding's sake, right? right? But peacemaker is also not a person that just rolls over and lets whatever happen happen. Oh, agreed. You know, so there is a sense of it is... I don't think it's going to come back up. It's, well, you have to be entering your passcode, but it's not charging. Yeah. I think there's like pocket lint stuck in my phone. Okay. Well. Anyway, so the rest of this is going to be Jaredless. They can stare at my handsome face. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, I don't even know where I was anymore. You, you were talking about... Uh, oh, uh, being a peacemaker. Yeah, right? being so, a peacemaker. There's a difference between... like A, a peacemaker is going to go in and bring up information and try to get the best outcome for the body, right? If we're talking about in a church setting. Absolutely. They're not going to be one that just says, well, what's done is done. You know, so-and-so, this group worked on it and... Just let it be because we don't want to interfere, right? Like, yeah. I think some people say, well, oh, the peaceful ones are the ones that sit quiet. They don't ask questions. They just let it be as it is. That's not a peacemaker. That's not a peacemaker. No. Uh, it, and we, we've we got to recognize inside the church, and I'm this is not pastoral. One, I'm not a pastor. And, and two, we're going down some church polity parts right now, mm -hmm. talking about the body of Christ the bride of Christ, but peacemaking in, in, inside the church often is about taking care of everybody. And so the body has to come together and say, you know, what's best for everybody. Mm -hmm. And if that's not a happening, then there's a problem. Absolutely. Agreed. Um, there is a problem. And and the other, you know, I was reminded of this the other day. So Jennifer, um, you know, as you talked about, we have lots of friends. We actually have a friend group. We've done a lot of Bible studies and stuff together with. And, and Jennifer and, and one of her really close friends were... They had to have a hard conversation because there was some, there was some angst amongst teens mm -hmm. and friends and us being the parents were like, we can't just step outside of this. If we don't go ahead and deal with this, we're going to have an issue. Yeah. 
And that meant that she and her friend had to say things to one another that were probably very difficult. Mm. But they didn't say it in malice. They didn't say it in frustration. They didn't say it in anger. They didn't say it in, in hurt. They said it for the point of, this is an issue. I might be blind to my child. Might it be that you could be blind to your child? Could we help each other see the reality of what's going on here with our children? And then can we walk past this? Yeah. You know, here's the cool thing. At the end of that phone conversation, do you know what I heard those two people say to each other? I love you, my sister. Mm -hmm. I love you so much. I'm so thankful for your friendship. I am so thankful for your honesty. That that is peacemaking. Peacemaking means you're going to have to say stuff. It's not easy to swallow, but it doesn't mean you go in with a dabbling machine gun. Right. Yeah. You're not just trying to lay waste and walk away. No, that's not peacemaking. You're, 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 you're coming to the table with a point of view Mm -hmm. and hopefully in prayer. Yes. And then you're putting it out Mm -hmm. and the other person, hopefully, you know, and, and, in this case, right, we're, we're talking about inside a church. So we're, we're going to make an assumption that. That person has also worked through this lifestyle, mm-hmm. and they can come to it in prayer and in peacemaking. That's correct. And 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 maybe there's compromise that happens, or there's a conversation, and you both walk away with a better understanding of what's going on. Um, and, and in some cases, it might be that you're having to do to to do this in the workplace, and that person you're having to talk to isn't going to come that way. Mm-hmm. Yet still. We can't then retaliate and torch the place. Correct. Now, I'm not going to chase this too far, but let's put this in the context of a church business meeting. Mm. And somebody makes a comment, and the pastor assumes a personal attack. Mm. And that pastor's got two choices. If that pastor assumes a personal attack, they can bristle. They can swing their authority around. And they can, for the most part, they can probably squash the conversation. Or that pastor can be humble and say, what's really going on here? Is there is is it something? Are they attacking me because I'm the most prevalent person in the room? It's whose name's the easiest to throw out, who's the, the easiest person to come after. Could it be that there's something deeper going on here? That pastor has the ability, and it's going to be difficult, and it's going to be hard, and it's going to be awkward. But I would make the argument in that moment is the perfect time to, to throw your hands up and to say, everybody stop for a minute. It's obvious this meeting is getting tense. We're not going to put an end to this meeting. We're going to reset ourselves. Now, my brother or my sister, what you just said was pretty heavy-handed. And maybe you do really mean that. And if you do, we, we need to discuss that. But did you mean, was that directed directly at me, or are you just frustrated? 
No, it's directed directly at you. Okay, well, okay. it's directed directly at me. Let's talk about it. Because Scripture is plain and clear. Matthew 18 applies to brother to brother. But when you're dealing with a pastor, when you're dealing with the leadership of the church, it's done in front of the body that the whole body may fear, that the whole body may learn. We have got to be willing to stand there and take the hard lumps because in doing so, yeah, we could lose our jobs. Who cares? God's got it under control. And I'm not speaking about that in a vacuum, yeah. right? You know, I'm, I, didn't, I didn't lose my job, but it was the right time for me to step away. Yeah. But God has me in a place where I'm having to fully trust him. So I'm not speaking about this in a vacuum. I'm, I'm there. Right. But I have got to be more concerned about the word of God than I do a 401k. Right. Or... Or keeping 17 years of ministry going right. or whatever else it is. I have to be more concerned about the word of God than I am about myself. You know, the Lord's going to take care of it. Now, why, why does all this come to play? Why do we land here? Why? Who knew peacemaking could be so deep because of what he's getting ready to say next, right? What's he, what's he getting ready to say? He's getting ready to say that blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. He started with the kingdom of heaven. Yep. He's come all the way back around again now to the kingdom of heaven. Yep. Okay, Jesus, you're talking about persecution. All right. Yep. I want to, I want to, uh, so let's do this. Let me reverse 11 and set the, set the stage. Blessed are you when they revile and persecute you and say all kinds of evil against you falsely for my sake. Chuck Swindoll, phenomenal with his series on Nehemiah about leadership. Hand me another brick. I think it's the name of the series. It's, just, it's great. And, and I can't remember if he said it in his, or if it was something that I learned along the way, or been learning along the way, but here's the truth. I don't need to defend myself. Mm. My integrity will stand firm. If I am guilty of, of the accusation, then I'm guilty of it. And it's going to be found out and it is what it is. But if I'm not guilty of these accusation, I don't have to fight against it. Right. My integrity will cause those who have integrity to stand up and speak and say, no, 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 that is not that man. I know that's not that man. Right. Right? That's not that woman. I know right. it's not that woman. So you, number one, there's that. It's easy when persecution comes to think that, you know, I've got, I've got to mount up my spiritual guns and go to battle. No, no, because notice what Jesus says. When they revile and persecute you, when they say all kinds of evil against you falsely for my sake, what does he say? Rejoice and be exceedingly glad, for great is your reward in heaven. Oh, not here on earth? Yeah. No. Yep. Your reward will not happen here. It's going to come one day in heaven. For so they persecuted the prophets who were before you now. Okay, so I'm in good company. Oh, so they persecuted the prophet. Read Nehemiah. They persecuted him. Read Malachi, right? He was definitely not popular for what he said. You know, Hosea wasn't popular for what he had to say. Amos, sheep herder from Tekoa, mm -hmm. certainly wasn't. But Paul is training Timothy, and he's taking this young pastor who has a very nervous stomach. Who's, you know, Titus seems to be the bold young preacher. Timothy seems to be probably an, an intellect, probably a very smart dude but probably very almost too mild at times. Sure. Okay. 
but look at what look at what Paul says. This is Second Timothy chapter three. But you have carefully followed my doctrine. So Timothy, you've carefully followed my doctrine. You've carefully followed my manner of life, my purpose, my faith, my long suffering, my love, my perseverance, my persecutions, afflictions which happened to me in Antioch and Iconium and Lystra. What persecutions I endured, and out of them all the Lord delivered me. And then he says this beautiful verse, Yes, and all who desire to live godly in Christ Jesus will suffer persecution. Mm. So yes, Jared, you want to mourn over your sin? You want to follow the Lord? You want to take up your cross daily and follow Him? Persecution's coming. It's coming. Yes, Larry, you want to you step up in the pulpit? You want to preach the Word of God? You, you want to charge hell with a water pistol? Persecution's coming. And listen to this, right? What can we expect? Paul doesn't stop. Thank you, Paul, for not stopping. But evil men and imposters will grow worse and worse, deceiving and being deceived. It is so easy to hear false doctrine and attack a man for what he has said when maybe we need to look and say, who is deceiving him? Mm. Now, we know it's all the work of the evil one, but who here on earth is speaking into his ear? And when we see one pastor on TV associating with another pastor on TV associating with another, and they're all starting to preach the same thing, right? One of them is the main deceiver and the rest are being deceived yeah. or they're all in deception together. But you must continue in the things which you have learned and been assured of knowing from who you have learned them. And that from childhood, what does he mean by childhood? Timothy had a phenomenal mother and yep. a grandmother. Yep. From childhood, you have known the Holy Scriptures, which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith, which is in Christ Jesus. Here, the two passages that are the the passages from my seminary, right? All Scripture is given by inspiration of God. It is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction of righteousness, that the man of God may be equipped, may may be complete, thoroughly equipped for every good work. Yeah, so— to close out a little bit. These Beatitudes. I don't want to close out. You don't want to keep close going. <laughs> well, I mean, our Somebody out, get me a soapbox and I'm sorry. Our, our closeouts take like 15 <laughs> minutes. So, Paul is writing in a time when Roman persecution is super high. Super high. Looks different in every city, right? But they're... Some form of it is happening. And, and, and then there's also persecution from within the Jewish ranks, mm-hmm. right? Of these new... He's getting it from both sides. Yeah, these new spinoffs, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> We're lucky in America right now that persecution doesn't look like that. No, but it's coming. It's coming. And I don't know whether to say we should we should wish for that or not, right? I, you know, I mean, I don't want to see this nation come to a place where they're just rejecting God in such a way that that type of persecution is the natural thing. But it seems mm. as though we're getting that way. I would much rather see a nation that turns around and even some portion of it repents in a way that that type of persecution still is down the road a while, mm-hmm. you know? Because then we would see a life-changed next door or or wherever the in, in this company or that company right 
But that doesn't mean there isn't some sort of persecution, right? I mean, and so the expectation is that if you're living this life, if you're putting on, if you're putting on the lifestyle of Jesus, Mm -hmm. you know, that you're just going to be the odd duck out. You're going to be the only one on the cul-de-sac. Be okay with it. Be okay with They're going to, they're, they might, when you move in, they're going to invite you to the barbecues and you're going to go over for a while. And then they're going to, re, they're going to realize like, I don't like to talk to him or her or mm-hmm. they're just weird. You know, they, every time we ask if they want to do something, they're at church, you know, I don't get why they're at church on a Wednesday night and on a Sunday morning and a Sunday night. And they're going up for a special event, you know, like, so they're just going to stop inviting you. Right. To the barbecue or the hangout or whatever it is. And your kid might get ostracized from those kids because they all get together and do play dates and you don't feel comfortable with that for whatever. You know, I could go on, right? Like, right. But that's okay. And you need to be okay with it if you're going to live poor in spirit. Because if that family inners poor in spirit who are they going to come to right they're going to say oh they might know something right yeah and if you're not willing to endure whatever level of persecution it is ostracization however you say that word from from the cul-de-sac right let's say that's the level we're going to get to in our town right if you're not willing to have that happen you're not poor in spirit. Agreed. Right? Because you're putting yourself back on top of your lifestyle, of your circumstances. And so, you and know. And so pastor, associate pastor, Sunday school teacher, deacon, elder, the same can be said in the church. Your church could be so worldly that when you live and become a person of the word, you may be a thorn to everybody else. And they may get frustrated with you and angry with you. Mm. And, they, and they call you self-righteous. And they say nasty things. Let them say it. Love them and teach them the word. Don't tell them about the word. Well, yeah. So, teach them the word. You know, in the context of the church, in the context of my personal life and then the life of the church that I'm in. And, and if some, whoever's listening in the context of your life. So I'm going to pull from the pastor that I can't remember his name. It's going to be in the show notes. Yes. I'm going to steal from his sermon. I'm going to go to two different places. Um, one that he used and then one that I'm going to use. So if you go to Isaiah 57. Mm. Yeah. I'm getting to my two places at the same time. I'm at 57. So what's that? So read verse 15. Yeah. Oh, I wish I could read it the way he said it. I know. It was so beautiful. I know. For thus says the high and lofty one who inhabits eternity, whose name is holy. I dwell in the high and holy place with him who has a contrite and humble spirit to receive the spirit of the humble and to revive the heart of the contrite ones. Yeah. So in the NASB, it says, who lives, I dwell in the high and holy place 
and also with the contrite and lowly in spirit. And his, in his sermon, his point was, hey, there's, there's two places that God lives. High and lifted up, yeah. high and lofty. Mm-hmm. And in the context of the Beatitudes, and I'm going to change the words because they, they mean the same. Right. The poor in spirit. Yes. So church, if we're not calling our members, if, we're, if I'm not calling myself Monday through Saturday to try my best to be low, poor in spirit. Mm-hmm. And I go into church on Sunday having not done that. Mm-hmm. And everybody else around me has not done that. That's a scary place to be. Sure it is. Right? Because we talk about where three or more are gathered, right? Mm-hmm. But is God, are we coming poor in spirit? Is God dwelling with us? That's right. Or is it a, a dead place because we're not talking about the gospel? If we're preaching the gospel, if, I'm say we, I'm not a preacher. If the gospel is being preached. Okay, you're not a preacher. Go ahead. The gospel's being preached. Right. We're talking about our sin and depravity. Mm-hmm. And the chasm that is so great and wide, I can't see the other end. Right. That I need a savior. And that listener of this sermon on a Sunday morning. Right now, you think you're you think poor in spirit means somebody that has a problem that you don't have. But poor in spirit is a place that you have to get to. Yeah. You want God to dwell inside of you? Yeah. You've got to be poor in spirit. Yeah. We need to, our church needs to be reminded of that every time they're in the building. Yeah. Sorry. Now, so then go to Revelation 21. Mm. The end of the book. Behold, the tabernacle of God. I'm I'm in verse, I'm in verse three. Yep. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, behold, the tabernacle of God is among men. And he will dwell among them, and they will be his people, and God himself will be among them. And he will wipe away every tear from their eyes. There will be no longer any death, and there will no longer be any mourning or crying or pain. The first things have passed away. So how do you get to be among those people? He'll be poor poor in spirit. spirit. And then follow the journey. Yeah. And land in persecution. Yeah. And you're going to inherit the kingdom of God again, right? Yeah. How how do I know that I'm poor in spirit? I know I'm poor in spirit when I can see me subduing my passions, me putting Larry's wants and desires to the side, me hungering and thirsting for the things of God. Yeah. And in finding joy in following him at all yeah. cost. Yeah. People will start to say over a, over a lifetime, like, you, you know, mm-hmm. you, but maybe, maybe depending on how long you've been following Jesus, I'm hoping that by the time I get, I start to, uh, I start to tap into the old man strength, mm. 
which is probably like 20 years off. Yeah. It's probably 10 years off for you. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> Some days. <laughs> but no, you're right. Right. That by the time I start tapping into that, right, maybe I, I hope that people start to say, <clears throat> that guy's a peacemaker. Mm-hmm. My papa is a peacemaker. Mm. And you should hear, my, it's my dad's, it's my mom's dad. It's my dad's father-in-law. But my dad, every time, like they, every time they go down to the farm, my dad is like, and I talked to him about how things were. And he just goes, Papa's just a peacemaker. Mm. You know, I don't even remember what the conversations are about most of the time. He's like, Papa's just a peacemaker. I just... I hope that one day, this is my, I'm quoting my dad right now. I just hope that one day people, you know, say something similar about me mm-hmm. because I don't know. And he's, I don't, and, and he's right. He is. He just desires to bring his family together and just be a peacemaker. Mm-hmm. But that is a lifetime. So, you know, the, the other, I think the other encouragement at the end of this from, from me would be people might've said that about my papa when he was in his thirties. I don't know. I've never asked him, but they're saying about him now. And so how long did that take? I don't know. Maybe it took his whole life. (laughs) You know, it it might've taken, for him to have great grandchildren and for people to start describing his life in that way. And so it's not something that changes overnight, right? This is a lifelong journey, these 10 or so verses. A lifelong journey of becoming more like Jesus Christ through, and I think it always starts with Becoming poor in spirit. You become poor in spirit. You recognize where you are. And these other things will over time, over a course of a lifetime, be marks that are more prominent in you. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I agree. And I think and I think that's a great way to wrap this up. And that is thinking about what, what are the marks that need to become more prominent in my life. Yeah. Um, I want to close out this way. I want to, I want to pray over us both and over, over those listening. And I want to, I want to take Jesus's prayer and I want to maybe put Larry's spin on it, but offer it back to him. So I'm praying out of, out of Luke 11, but I think you'll follow with me. Father, the one who dwells in heaven, the one who has promised that if I am poor in spirit, that if I suffer persecution for the sake of righteousness, bringing honor and glory to your name, standing firm in your word, that heaven is a reward. That God, hallowed, holy, is your name. Holy, holy, holy. Are you the Lord of hosts? I look forward to the day that your kingdom comes completely. 
when the new heaven and the new earth will, will land and you restore all that has been lost through sin. And God, for your kingdom to come, we know that your will must be done, not just in heaven, but here on earth as well. And so, God, would we be people who strive daily to do your will here on the earth? You promise that you will give and protect us. And you give us our daily bread. You give us the provisions that we need, the paycheck coming in, the, the encouragement. Maybe it's not a paycheck. Maybe it's trusting others to bring food or to bring clothes. But whatever it is, God, you do not neglect what we need to survive. It doesn't have to be a mansion here because it will be there. Forgive us. I'm mourning right now over the sin that I have carried, over hurt, over bitterness, over rejection, over so many things that I allow to convince me everything but who you have said I am. And so forgive me, Lord, of my sin, the sin that put my Savior on the cross the cross that it pleased you to send him to, the cross that caused him to sweat drops of blood and agony as he contemplated and began to feel the weight of my sin and all who would come, all who were, all who had come at that point. And he took every bit of it and bore it to the cross. And if he was willing to do that, then God, I must be willing to forgive anybody who has wronged me, who is indebted to me, who has somehow crossed paths with me and wronged me. Don't give me a spirit of retaliation. Give me a spirit of restoration and love. And Father God, I'm really good at leading myself into temptation, so I need you to deliver me from it. And to deliver me, Lord, all of us, from Satan's snares, from Satan's desires, from Satan's lies. I am nothing, but yours is the kingdom. I have no power, but yours is the power. There is no glory in me or about me, but glory be to you, the one who sits on high forever and ever. And God, we pray that you lead us and guide us in such a way. And all this we ask in the name of your son, Jesus Christ. Amen.